Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, January 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking college basketball today with the beat writers, Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedour, and Shreyas Lada. Among our topics, the finishes to the last two Kansas games have been noteworthy for their non-calls, and one opposing player dropped a life's not fair comment. We discussed those moments against Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and ask, does KU get the benefit of late game officiating? Kansas State coach Jerome Tang, who has the Wildcats off to a sensational start, approaches the game he's been somewhat dreading at Baylor against his former team and mentor Scott Drew. It'll be an emotional game for Tang as he looks to keep the Wildcats rolling. We also touch on Missouri's great start and who might be the next coach at Texas, among other subjects. Okay, let's get started. What an all-star panel we have put together to talk college basketball. It's fantastic. We've got Gary Bedour and Trey Aslada who cover Kansas. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State. I've been following Missouri a little bit this year, so uh, we're going to talk about our three teams in the coverage area. And one common denominator with all of these teams is they are off to terrific starts. I was reminded last week in December that uh, by the Wooden Award people that they wanted their midseason top 25 list. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, college football's not even the, the bowl games are not over. And they wanted, but the operative word was midseason. I didn't realize that. But in terms of number of regular season games played, we're just about there at the midseason point. So Kansas, of course, is ranked third. Missouri is number 20 in the AP poll. And Kellis, does Kansas State get in the poll if they win on Saturday against Baylor? Shoot, I think they might get in even with a close loss. They're 13-1, and they just ravaged Texas with 116 points. So I guess it depends how good the voters' memories are. But if they win, I think they're absolutely in. I saw Joe Lenardi put out his latest bracketology this week, and he has Kansas State all the way up to a number four seed if the, if the, if the bracket was revealed today. So raise your hand if you saw that coming. Um, that would mean he's got them as a top 16 team. So win, and they're definitely in. Close loss, I think they're probably in, too. That's how good they've been. How about, uh, how about Kansas State, Missouri, and KU playing in the Midwest Regional Sweet 16 at T-Mobile Arena that, or T-Mobile mm-hmm. Center? That, w- that would be pretty cool. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's start with KU, though. Uh, <laughs> what, what a fascinating start to the Big 12 season for the Jayhawks winning two close games at home against Oklahoma State a week ago, uh, and then the midweek win at Lubbock against Texas Tech. Never an easy place to to play for Kansas uh, at Texas Tech. And, gosh, the way those two games ended uh, certainly has – Evoked a lot of commentary, right? Um, the, the 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 Kevin McCullough block shot at the end of the Oklahoma State game, and the the, the collision, um, uh, the physical play down the uh, on the final uh, Texas Tech or not final, I guess it was ended up being the second to last Texas Tech possession. Um, both brought out the Kansas gets all the calls or non calls or benefit of the calls from the anti KU crowd. Obviously, it came up in in some way yesterday during a Bill Self press conference. Gary, what did 
What did Bill Self say about fouls and non-calls, and how did he address that yesterday? Well, he just pointed out that the uh, supervisor of officials sent out a memo about physical play again, trying to not necessarily clean it all up, but just to watch it. And I think we've heard that before at Big 12 Media Days. Sometimes they have the emphasis of cleaning up physical play. So uh, they sent out that memo, I guess. Uh, Self said it's not really unusual. They they monitor the officiating all year. But uh, Self didn't really talk about the end of game plays except describing them when they, you know, after the games. But Mark Adams was kind of upset, uh, if that's the right word, saying that uh, Pop Isaacs had it right when he said life's not fair. So uh, Pop wanted to call when Pettiford hit him or he hit Pettiford, whatever. Kevin McCuller picked up the ball, flipped it to, Adams, KJ Adams, who had the vicious dunk to give KU the three-point lead. So uh, I think refs usually are pretty consistent in that they won't call anything in the last, you know, couple seconds. But I guess there are examples they do once in a while. But uh, it seemed like it was normal. You don't call a foul in the last couple seconds like Thomas Robinson's block on uh, Missouri many years ago, whether it's because it's KU or what, I don't know, but seems to me the refs eat the whistle on big plays, block shot type plays in the last 10 seconds. They don't usually send guys to the line. Right. Trace, what was your take? What, what was your take on this this week? It's your first, your first two big 12 games that you've covered and, uh, and both have, Pretty interesting conclusions. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I came away pretty impressed with the play in Lubbock, especially for KU uh, to go play a town that, you know, a team that hasn't lost 29 in a row uh, right, right. at home is very, very impressive. I mean, I that was the one game I, you know, so far this season out of my, like, predictions or whatever, I, I thought they were going to lose the Texas Tech game, you know, between just how tough of an arena it is to play in, the defense Texas Tech plays is hard to play against. Um, but I came away really impressed. I mean, I feel like KU had that game after that initial, like, you know, run Texas Tech went on. They had it in control and really – Honestly, the game shouldn't have been close in the last second. It kind of blew that lead a little bit. Um, but they came away with a win, and, you know, they've beaten two conference opponents that are big physical teams that are taller than K.J. Adams, and he's kind of shown his uh, overall play. I've been impressed with that. And honestly, I mean, like, you know, this is as good as a opening you could have really wanted for Kansas. I guess you obviously want a little more disparity in, in score and stuff like that, but you came out with two games that could have gone either way. They went Kansas away, and – they kind of showed, uh, you know, this is the kind of games you're going to play in the conference tournament. This is the kind of games you're going to play late in March. And I think that's a great, you know, point to get it this early and out of the way because now you're ready uh, more than you would have been if you're blowing out every conference opponent. Well, under the life's not fair category, um, what uh, uh, were, were the officials right, Shreyas, at the end of uh, – <laughs> Which one was more egregious? Which of the of the two 
Um, it may be if, if one should have been a foul should have been called, would it have been the Oklahoma State game or the Tech game or or is Gary right? Did they just you know kind of do what they tend to do in this situation and swallow the whistle? I think I think Gary's right. They they kind of do what they tend to do. I will I will say, I mean, it is easy to point out the, the Texas Tech game that the foul should have been called. But I feel like on the other end, when KJ Adams had that dunk, he definitely got fouled and it called a foul. So I felt like that evened it out. It still gave Texas Tech a chance to, you know, make a three and tie the game and go to overtime. Um, and I felt like overall, you know, if you want to talk about calls, we can point to there's no way Kansas should have only shot four free throws logically, no matter how many threes they shot against Texas Tech. So obviously it's pretty egregious, no call there. But like Gary said, um, they're not going to call it late in, in the game. And, you know, I think they had a, a call. Texas Tech got a, a call they got away with, and it gave them a chance to tie the game when they didn't call the K.J. Adams foul because that was a pretty dangerous play. I mean, the guy ran into K.J. Adams, kind of stumbled backwards a little bit. It was kind of a mess, and, uh, you know, it was just a chaotic uh, minute and a half of uh, basketball there. I think it's also why they didn't call technical on KJ Adams when he swung on the rim. I think he was just trying to you know get his balance back and and not fall on on anyone. So, yeah, look, um, I, I I I understand why coaches could be upset. Uh, losing coaches would be upset in those situations, and of course, Mark Adams hadn't you know, without a loss, uh, as you said, the 29 game home court winning streak for the Red Raiders. That's a tough one. Atmosphere was as it always is uh, in Lubbock, just juiced. And as it will be on uh, on Saturday, when you, when you visit uh, West Virginia, that'll be a crazy atmosphere as well. Um, Callis, there is a, you know, you've been covering Kansas State for a while, which means um, you've been paying attention to Kansas as well during that time. There is a a perception, isn't there? Life's not fair uh, when it comes to playing the Jayhawks. Uh, yes, um, I'll tell you that. So Kansas played Oklahoma State um, right at the same time that I believe it was the. Well, it was, it was at some point when we were doing um, interviews at the Sugar Bowl. I can't remember if it was the day of the game or the day before, but uh, while we were waiting for player football players to come out, somebody had. Uh, pulled up the play on their cell phone of the late no call and um, everybody was hooting and hollering about how it probably should have been a foul. And, yep. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't turn it to Will Howard and say, what do you think about this year? Um, but yes, all across the league, the thought is you go into Allen Fieldhouse, you're going to get hosed. Um, that's just, that's just the way it is. But I think it's that way everywhere though. That's the one thing uh, most fans who they say, Hey, you go down Fieldhouse, they get all the calls. Yes, that's true. But, there have been plenty of times when Kansas comes into Bramlage Coliseum, they're not getting the whistle here either. So it, it works that way all across the all across the conference in my mind. And Gary, I loved how you brought up the Thomas Robinson block. And you know, the in 2012, the last Kansas Missouri game at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, you know, uh, during the you know while well, teams are still in the Big 12, and it was, wasn't it Phil? I think it was Phil Pressey on the drive who. Um, Robinson, like McCuller, I think got ball first and then got a ton yeah. of body afterwards. And um, uh, and that one, it, each each time Kansas and Missouri has played in the, each of the last two years, th- that play continues to, to to be a topic of conversation leading into the games. Yeah, the, the uh, speed the speed travel is what they still talk about. <laughs> Kansas yeah. State's got the speed travel, right? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, pretty blatant. 
But uh, I think you're right. I think you got the ball first and then hit him with the body. Um, somebody sent me a different view of the Pettiford play, and I don't know if it was a fake video or something, but in that video, Pop Isaacs was pushing off on Pettiford, and I never saw anything like that on the replay or the live action. So nowadays you can't trust anything you see on Twitter because it might be fake. Like somebody put out a fake Big 12 statement about uh, the end of the KU game. <laughs> they photoshopped it on Big 12 uh, stationery and all that. So <laughs> nowadays you got to be careful because somebody might be putting out a fake thing. <laughs> but uh, I just go back to I think the refs normally are going to eat the whistle on late block calls. But uh, I can see why people think KU gets an advantage since they're always, you know, uh, number one or two seed, it seems like, every year. Hey, look, then that's why you have to follow Gary Bedour, Shreya Slada, and Kellis Robinette on Twitter because you're not going to get any fake stuff from the guys at the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. That's for darn sure. Uh, and follow me, too. Why don't you? Uh, I won't put any fake stuff out there. <laughs> hey, um, Shreyas, I, I don't um, – this is kind of a, a test. I want to ask you uh, which Kansas player uh, this season has impressed you the most, and it's my way of asking you, what do you think of K.J. Adams? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's it's been really, really cool to just see his progression since I've started on the beat. It's been roughly a month at the job, and from day one, uh, from game one, where I think I was just watching them play – uh, one of like the uh, mid-major schools or something like that to where he is now. His progression offensively in that short pick and roll has been super, super impressive. He's looked really comfortable kind of having the ball in space and scoring a little bit around the rim. Um, I, his defense has been so, so great. I mean, honestly, they put him on an island a couple of times and said, hey, go guard Cisse who's seven foot and you're six, seven and just go at it. And, and he's challenged this guy who was seven foot and he couldn't do anything against. He's, he, he went against Tracy Jackson of Indiana. He, he did a good job, obviously, through a couple doubles and helped him out a little bit. Um, and same thing with this game. I mean, like, you know, Texas Tech, he's playing another guy who's taller, bigger, more, uh, you know, lengthy. And his athleticism and his hopping abilities give him a chance uh, to really kind of showcase who he is. And honestly, I came out of like with, wow, is KJ Adams like the third most important player in that team? Because he, when he plays well, you really see it on both ends. And Kansas plays a lot bigger than they actually are when KJ Adams plays well. Yeah, gosh, Gary, Kansas might have had a decent season last year if they played KJ Adams more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really uh, been the surprise player of the season emerging in that big man group. Uh, pretty much Zach Clements and Ernest Uday aren't playing much at all, if any. And Zuby <clears throat> has been the first big off the bench. So Bill is uh, getting more and more comfortable with that uh, small lineup. And uh, someday Clements and Uday may be ready, but and Cam Martin got a minute or two the last couple games, but KJ Adams has really saved the day. Uh, plus, McCullers play at the end of these games. Without those two guys, you know, Kansas has probably got some losses like North Carolina. The 
the the two teams that played for the title last year. So Bill's got to hope KJ keeps it up and keeps improving because he's been their surprise standout. Yeah, averaged one point last year. He's up to 9.4 this year, less than a rebound a game a year ago, and 4.5 this year. He's just fun to watch, and he gets the, you know, Bill is parsing his words, of course, a little bit, but he got he got a pretty nice comparison, didn't he, Shreyas? Was it Draymond? Uh, he absolutely did. Yeah, I was honestly – KJ KJ has been so impressive. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know what Kansas fan thought he'd be this good offensively this early. And, and it was funny because I think early in the season, KJ's uh, – he was he was talking about KJ's offensive ability, and he was like, oh, I don't expect KJ to go do that every day. And then KJ's gone and done that every single day. I mean, he plays a little bit like Draymond uh, Green, and I think uh, self-compared him to that. And, and it's just fun to watch. I mean, this guy's – Six seven, but he plays like he's six eight, six nine, six ten, and you know if you can throw him against these bigs that are bigger and taller and lengthier than him, and he can hold his own, then Kansas' biggest weakness is really mitigated. I think the big issue with KJ is if there's anything nitpick is can be a little better rebounding, but I think just his ability to keep guys off the board makes him a little better. Um, you know, in that sense, and they're kind of going to this team rebounding approach as you've seen Grady Dick get a lot of. He rebounds the last couple of games, make a big emphasis to get those rebounds. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right, so it's KU at West Virginia, 5 o'clock on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. You know, I wish I didn't have to say the plus. <laughs> there it is. It's out there. It's it's um, uh, it, it's also starting at the same time and also on ESPN Plus as Kansas State at Baylor, the Jerome Tang Bowl. Kellis, uh, what did what did uh, what did Coach Tang say about going against his former team, the guy who hired him? I mean, what a great relationship between Jerome Tang and Scott Drew. Um, this has got to be just a lot of uh, uh, just a lot of anger and you know ill feelings toward those two. I imagine they just those guys just just want to grab each other by the throat and dominate each other. So, uh, but what did Tank say about it? Um, yeah, we're expecting a fist fight at midcourt <laughs> tomorrow before and after the game. Um, Scott Drew and Jerome Tang really have no love lost for each other. Um, it's actually the exact opposite of that. I remember this summer at uh, one of the catbacker events, I jokingly um, had asked Jerome Tang, you know, now that you're adversaries, you're going up against Drew on the recruiting trail, you're going to play him. You know, what are your conversations like? Do you ever even jokingly, you know, say like, hey, I'm going to beat you here. I'm going to do this better than you. And he was like, you know, I might as well have asked if he was uh, planning to rob a bank later in the day because he was like, oh, no, 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 no. I will never speak an ill word about this man. You know, he'll never do that to me. And they're, they're the best of pals. Um, before Scott Drew gave him a, a head, uh, not head coaching job, an assistant coaching job at Baylor, 
you know, it was really a question of whether he'd ever make it in, in the college business as a coach. Gave him his, his big break, stayed with him for 19 years, built the Bears up from nothing. Um, you remember where they were in 2003 when they were on probation and yeah. trying to, you know, navigate scandal. Just awful, awful situation. Go from there to an eventual national champion. Um, he, he loves Waco. He loves Scott Jerry. He loves Baylor. I've even gotten a few times uh, this year saying we in reference to Baylor, not Kansas State. So hard thing, hard habit to break. And it'll be very interesting to see how he approaches this game because, I mean, there's all kinds of memories there in Waco. Um, I, I don't know, you know, how how that'll affect him. I'm sure it won't. Um, once once the game starts, I'm sure that'll all fade away and he'll be, you know, bleeding purple like he has all, all the rest of the season. But, it, yeah, it, it, it's not – there's not going to be any animosity there and – I think it'll be hard for him to score 116 points in this one. Yeah, a lot there. Um, Scott Drew says that, you know, he, he'll pull for Kansas State in every game they play except when they play the Wildcats. And I, I believe him, right? You know, it's that's how close the coaches were. And um, and, and speaking of the 116 points, Kellis, I, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying I think that's the most impressive – result of a college basketball game this year was what Kansas State did earlier this week and going to Austin and just dominating uh, the nation's sixth ranked team. A game was never close. I I know you you put a couple tweets out saying, uh, boy, Texas has closed the gap or narrowed it. And it was still double digits. I mean, it was Uh, that. and, and, And I loved what Jerome Tank said after the game, but they just thought they were better at certain positions and faster and could speed Texas up. And, and they just went out and did it. That 116 points from a Kansas state team, from any team, but that that's an NBA final. That's a high scoring NBA final. 116, I think it was 103. Um, that That's incredible. And now they're taking on a, a Baylor team that also likes to get up and down the floor. I, um, this, uh, your jaw must have been dropping in disbelief when, you, <laughs> as you were following that game. Well, yeah, I mean, to say it was uh, un, uh, to say it was surprising would be an understatement. Kansas State entered that game averaging just seven, 75 points per game. They hadn't hit 100 points since 2010, and this was the first time in history that they had ever played in a game where both teams scored 100 points. I'd never seen that. It was definitely at an NBA pace. You know, we're just going to run. If they score whatever, we're going to get out and transition and score two. I was um, most impressed with just how many open shots Kansas State was taking. Like, yeah, they made a lot of threes, but Keontae Johnson, Cam Carter, and Marquise Noel were wide open for these shots. It's not like Texas was in their face. Um, sometimes, you know, people say, oh, a team gets hot from three. Well, if you're not going to guard them, if you're going to get out and transition, you're going to get open threes. It's really not that hard to make them. So Kansas State took advantage. Um, I too was impressed with what some, some guys said after the game, they did a lot of conditioning going in, into that one and said, you know what, if Texas is going to run, we're going to play their game. We're going to going to run with them. And it was just crazy to watch it unfold because, uh, I'm sitting here trying to figure out when the last time they scored hundred was, and all of a sudden, you know, when's the last time they scored 105, 110, 115. And finally it's like, Oh, okay. They've never scored more than 115. So that actually made the write up a little bit easier. It's the first time they'd ever scored that many points in history. You don't have to compare it to anything else. Um, it was it was a, a thrill to watch. Um, so I guess now they got to find find a way to score 120 in the next game. Um, I, I'm I'm curious about Baylor's state of mind coming into this game, coming off the home loss to TCU, a game in which it looked like um, you know they they were going to take care of business and did not. Game in both 
TCU and Baylor came into that game ranked and and TCU was the one that came out on top. TCU, the, the Big 12 team that you wondered about early in the season because of that loss to Northwestern State, and they've just been fantastic um, uh, since then. So um, that'll be, again, just like every Big 12 game, um, something interesting. There is no Big 12 conference game that you can't find an interesting storyline or pin an interesting storyline to, and, um, and, and this one's certainly one of them. Another one is, uh, I think Texas is at Oklahoma State, and the Longhorns coming off of Rodney Terry's first loss, and that's not the big news. The big news is um, Chris Beard, we know, is not going to be the coach fired at Texas, and um, that is a it's a tough situation for the Longhorns, but it's done. So that begs the question: um, Is Rodney Terry going to be? They're going to take the interim tag off, or what do you think, Kellis? Um, does Texas go on a search? Does it depend on what happens the rest of the season? What, who's who's the Texas coach to begin the 23-24 season? Yeah, I think it depends on what they do this year. I mean, if, if they're one of the top three teams in the Big 12 and they make a you know, win a couple games in the NCAA tournament, I think you'd really have to look at keeping uh, the interim coach there because uh, they did have a good thing going before um, this unfortunate situation with Chris Beard happened. But um, barring that, I do think they'll go out and they'll have a national search. I think they'll try to bring in a big name. The beauty of the Texas job is that you can really throw out anyone in there because they've got such resources and um, so much money. You can't you can't say no. I mean, I could say anyone from Coach Calipari at Kentucky to uh, you know Coach K coming out of retirement uh, <laughs> after Duke to coach there. I could even say Bill Self, and you couldn't like you know completely laugh me off about it. Um, I've seen some people say Jerome Tang. I, I wouldn't go there quite yet. I mean, it's nice that he's being uh, complimented in that way that he could be a, a candidate. I, I think they'll. I think they'll swing bigger if it's not uh, Rodney Terry. And I, I would definitely keep an eye on like Calipari. Things aren't going the greatest for him in Kentucky. Maybe it's time for him to start over. And I'm sure Texas would love to have him and his recruiting chops there in Austin. Um, the other name that seems to come up uh, the last time before they hired Beard was Royal Ivy. He used to play there. He's been an assistant at several spots in the NBA. That's been around some uh, some teams have gone in the past, and those, those are some names I would look at. Hey Gary, you remember Royal Ivy at, at Texas? He was a good player. Yeah, he was a good player, and some of these school. That's a good name to bring up as college basketball is going to need a new influx of coaches to replace some of the veterans that have been leaving and. I'm currently getting old. I'm sure the Texas fans will, if they care enough about basketball over football, to bring up Jay Wright's name. Uh, can you get him out of retirement? But I don't. I don't see that as a great fit. But it's really interesting. I also agree with Kellis that uh, Rodney Perry, if he does a a good job, and they, you know, get far in the tournament, NCAA tournament, he might just continue on. And yeah. uh, remember earlier this year when Norm Roberts took over for Bill Self, uh, everything was fine and dandy. Norm did a fine job. So uh, he did, yeah. some new names are going to have to emerge in college basketball. And it'll be interesting. That situation is terrible. Uh, can you believe that Beard has gone from what being the guy that 
that that some fans said might be the logical choice for KU someday if Bill doesn't go till he's 70 like Coach K did. <laughs> but now Chris Beard uh, has to whatever, like Billy Gillespie's career. Remember when that <clears throat> totally got derailed? But I guess in serious situations like this, it's stupid of me to talk about a guy's career when – he had the legal system has to take care of that matter. So it's just sad. It is. I remember being at the, at the 2019 final four up in Minneapolis when tech, he took tech to the championship game and they lose an overtime game to Virginia. He was, you know, it, it, there were a lot of warm feelings about Tem- Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers winning their first national championship, but Beard was the star of, of that final four. Yeah. He just charmed everybody at the press conferences and was, uh, was just, um, uh, you know, his future was so bright at, at that point. Hey, I wanted to get a couple of get in a couple of quick things before we have to end it. Uh, Missouri, uh, I was down in Fayetteville earlier this week, saw him lose to Arkansas, played well. Missouri opened up a 17 point lead in the first half, um, fell behind by eight late in the game, but cut it to three. I'm, I continue to be impressed with the Tigers. Um, uh, they they take on Jerry Stack's Jerry Stackhouse's. Vandy team, 11 a.m. on Saturday on CBS, and tell us a uh, a future topic for us. We're gonna we're gonna d- debate who's having the better season, Jerome Tang or Dennis Gates. Uh, I think that's that's interesting. Two leaders, early early leaders for national coach of the year. I think those two, uh, what what they've accomplished so far. And Trace, I wanted to ask you this. Um, one of the teams in college basketball that so impressed me early on was the University of Connecticut. Um, <laughs> not so much these last couple games. What has happened to UConn? And, of course, you covered the Huskies uh, last season. Yeah, I mean, I think their biggest issue was guard play. They don't have a point guard with R.J. Cole departing to go play professionally. I think he's playing Reese right now. Um, it's really kind of showcased that they have everything but – consistent guard play. Hassan Diara probably needs to play some more minutes there. Um, they have an impressive, like, uh, I think just overall team, you know, they're, they have two really nice big men in, in Sonogo, all American basically. And, uh, Klingon, who's been a phenomenal freshman off the bench. And then they've had a team that I think is shooting like 36% from three or something like that. I think they're a little over-reliant on the three ball sometimes. I think that could hurt them. Um, but I think the biggest issue is they just don't have a guard that they can give the ball to and run the offense and be consistent. And I think sometimes that, that kills them because they play with this, you know, kind of guard by committee and Andre Jackson has the ball and he's not a traditional point guard. So um, obviously tough to see him uh, as somebody kind of watching them from far kind of lose those games, but I, I think they'll be fine. Dan Hurley will probably have them fired up to play great and, and you know, get them back on track. Hey, someone med- mentioned bracketology before. Where, where does Lenardi have uh, Missouri on the bracket? Anybody, anybody see that? Um, I have not looked at that. I don't think he's. I think they, they showed up at least on the first, like you know, the thing because they only showed the first four seeds. Yeah, I could be wrong though, because I, I retweeted it. Let me go look real quick. Because I, I think I think Missouri, if, what, here in K State was a four. I, I think Missouri would be somewhere in that vicinity, um, even with the loss to Arkansas. They've only lost to Kansas and Arkansas this year and beaten Kentucky and Illinois after that that uh, that mid, mid-major non-conference schedule. He doesn't have uh, Missouri on there yet in a the little sheet. He's, he's scared, and he's not in the last four in either. Okay. Uh, 
Just but curious. I'm guessing he'll probably be, I mean, he has currently, I think, six bids from ACC, so I'm guessing, or ACC, Big but, 12. Uh, Big 12, but. Or uh, SEC, I'm uh, sorry. SEC, SEC, seven, seven. both going uh, <laughs> you're good. down seven. the wrong path on that one, yeah. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Bye-bye. I, I, um, I got the seven. full thing up here, Blair. They're the uh, projected seven seed in the south region, starting off in Greensboro, North Carolina, against uh, the play-in winner of Utah State or Utah. Utah State or UConn? Utah. Oh, Utah. All, and all Beehive State playing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What, what, uh, there'll be a yes, lot Missouri, of – Missouri 7 seed, so there you go. All right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to next week uh, seeing Missouri, Kansas State, and Kansas all in the top 25. I'll have to do the research to see if that's happened or when the last time that has happened. I suspect it has happened uh, sometime in the past. So, all right, guys. Terrific conversation with Kelvis Robinette, Shreya Slada, and Gary Bedour. Let's do it again soon, guys. Um, travel safe this weekend. Thanks. Thank you. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Monty Davis produced today's show and is part of a terrific staff that includes George Howard, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Shreya Slada, Gary Bedour, and Kelvis Robinette for sharing their insights. Get your fill of college basketball coverage in today's morning sports edition. It's 43 pages loaded with news of college hoops and college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, soccer, baseball, you name it, it's there. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.